Oh my God, Richard. Do you think buy Fife by Tillette will continue to be profitable in the next few years? QVT! Is that a fight by to let? Is by to let in general in Scotland just coming to an end? Rent freezes, moratorium on evictions. Where will it all end? Being a Fife landlord is undoubtedly a challenge. The glory years of making money from any old property is certainly past, and it's in the past completely. With increased legislation and taxation from the government and the cost of living crisis rolled into one, which will result in many Fife tenants actually struggling actually to pay their rent, times are really challenging. For many landlords, you know, let's, you know, tenants, we're all banging the drum about tenants, but it's going to be challenging for landlords out there, isn't it, Richard? It is, and I think there's so much going on just now. Like you say, Jim, rent freezes, the moratorium, changes in legislation, mortgage interest rates, and the headlines that we're seeing now um, that just send everybody into such a panic. And as we say, a lot of times, scaremongering. It almost sounds like every other day I'm getting calls from property sourcers and landlords exiting the market. Now, yeah. this isn't this is the first time ever. I mean, in the past, we've always said, "Oh, landlords will leave the market. We're all going away, and we're all going to leave, and we're all going to sell up, and where where will you be?" But it's almost every other day now, Richard. I've got people actually calling me or, or contacting me saying. That they're they're definitely selling. They're exiting the market. Yeah. Where is this going to leave us? You know, because you can castigate private landlords for all you want, but the reality is they're propping up the rental market right now, and they're they're accommodating. They're actually they're actually taking the position of what the social housing should be taken, which is by the council. It's the it's yeah. the it's the reality of the sixty nine percent sell off in housing stock, social housing stock since the nineteen eighties. It's caused this problem and the failure to actually replace them. Yeah, I think that private. Well, I know that private landlords do provide such a big part of that housing uh, service, and I, I know that us as agents and what we do um, on the scale that we do it and within Fife, I feel like I mean multiply that up and multiply that up. Um, there definitely is um, a big part of the industry, of the sector, should I say, made up by private landlords because, like you say, social housing and things are just falling by the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Karen, what's your thoughts on this all so far? I mean, we've had a lot of people that would typically even be buying properties that have actually been coming into rentals just now. So we've seen a increase in the amount of people that are looking for houses in the rented sector. So you have your people that were already 
typically looking and then this influx of people as well for like I say would typically be buying properties but the uncertainty of everything interest rates trying to find the right property for themselves I've been going into rented properties instead so we've seen this increased demand for rentals but not the increase of supply so yeah. it puts us in a really tricky position of trying to help people find properties in an already market yeah. where there's not a vast amount of stock that's quite interesting that you picked up on the fact that there is people out there that were going to be buying properties and now they're wanting to rent properties because they're unsure. And and a lot of people actually look at that as money down the drain. You know, it's lost. But the reality, the entry costs and exit costs, if you get it wrong from buying a house, are, are astronomical in comparison to the couple of years that you'll maybe pay rent um, in comparison um, to get it right. And especially in rising interest rates and the fact is you now no longer can't afford that. So you can't afford to take that risk of interest rates rising any higher. Therefore, it means that you should actually rent just now. It's a good short-term, and I mean short-term strategy. For some people, rent is a long-term thing. Eventually, when we go out of this house, I will rent for the rest of my life. Um, and I'm a landlord, an investor, and to me that actually, you know, for some days, well, that's just dead money. That doesn't make sense. But it but it, it, it's, it accommodates the fact uh, of my lifestyle choices and what I want to do and what I want to achieve as a result. And, uh, and renting is the, is the perfect, perfect vehicle for me for that. Um, I mean, the newspapers are actually full of stories of landlords being pushed into the red as mortgage rates continue to rise. Um, I've no doubt about it on the 3rd of November that we'll probably get another interest rate rise as well. And it almost seems like, and it is every single month, I'm actually getting letter through from my bank saying, by the way, your interest is going up. Um, and you've got a new mortgage payment. So my mortgage payments has gone up quite considerably since then, um, but I can no longer increase my rents. That's the problem. So, and, and I'll be honest, you know, let's be honest and let's let's be upfront about there. If anybody talks about increasing rents, remember, um, I could count on one hand, to be honest, how many times um, I've actually increased the rent while a tenant has actually been in situ. Um, so it's, and, and that's 30 years. So it, it doesn't actually happen that much, but being curtailed of the fact that you can't increase the rent is, is the difficulty here. And it is a big difficulty for the banks because the banks don't like the fact that there's no way out of this if your mortgage rate continues to rise and you've got no no way, no other choice. And especially if you can't if you can't evict a tenant either. You're you're kinda of, kinda of gonna be in trouble. Is there legislation is it has it been changed to, to adapt for that, Richard, at all? The legislation come through by the Scottish government? For the moratorium on evictions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean to start with, when they, they first announced this was it the sixth of September and everybody's like, Okay, so what what's like outline that a bit more? Where do we stand? How do we uh, mm -hmm. progress with that if we we're in that situation? They've since obviously then uh, confirmed that if a tenant reaches six months of arrears, you yeah. can start the eviction process. Whereas previously it was three months. Um, okay. Average rent is about £500, isn't it? Um, just in general. So if you take average rent of £500 times six, you've got to lose £3,000 before you even start eviction. And then at that point, then you've got another six months possibly to wait till the actual uh, first tier tribunal hears it and actually grants eviction if they actually grant the eviction. You'd be pushing about a year. Yeah, so you could be £6,000 out of pocket before you even start. And you still, as a landlord, if you've got a mortgage, you've still got to continue to pay that mortgage every single month come hell or high water. And that's why being a landlord, and I've always said it, is not for the faint-hearted. 
If you have your investment strategy right and you understand what you're doing and you understand the key dynamics and the risk analysis and and and, and de-risk everything involved, um, and we, we I think we've talked about that success of shows in the past. Yeah. We might touch on it here, but I've got a funny feeling we'll not be able to have the time to do that. Um, but I'm talking about if interest rates rise, you know, where will that put you? If, if occupancy rate drops, in other words, yeah. the time if somebody's on a property paying rent drops, where will that put you? If inter- if, if, if your yield changes or if, if anything changes in that dynamic, um, or, or your overheads change as well, and you've got to put repairs and improvements in as well you didn't know about, classic example recently richard is the eicr is now coming through yeah. we're paying about two and three thousand pounds for every single house near enough and it's upgraded. Kind of, yeah, yeah. because things have changed um so now, that's one that we're having to you look at the average amount of money made per year on a buy to let property is only about a thousand pound so you're talking about two years worth of profit therefore in order to pay for that so you're, you're only just breaking even uh, even over two years, because the the wirings have to be upgraded. Yeah. Now, it was perfectly, um, you know, when I'm saying wiring has to be upgraded, that's only to the current standards, but it's okay to renew that when it comes along at the EICR when it's at renewal point. Um, it doesn't mean to say it's not roadworthy or whatever it is right now, and it's not um, it's not um, wind and water tight and repair under the standard repair that right now. Um, I mean, a landlord last summer could have fixed their five by to let. Um, a, a five-year buy-to-let rate with a 25% deposit at 1.86. Wow. <laughs> that, that sounds like that sounds like a fantasy world now. When you no. to it. No, eh? Both today, actually, a five-year rate deal with Barclays is actually three, uh, 4.36. I actually checked a limited company buy-to-let portfolio landlord. A five-year fixed rate deal right now is 5.46 um, with the mortgage works. Um, and, and and you know that's a that's a hefty amount of money compared to one point eight six, which was uh, just last year. Uh, this increase will add more than two hundred and forty six pound per month to the landlord's mortgage bill when average on an average UK buy to let property. So, landlords' mortgages actually stand at two hundred and thirty seven point eight one billion pounds, meaning collectively landlords will have to pay an additional. Seven billion I pay a year mortgage interest payments. Now, next, the press is reporting in quarter two 2022, when compared to quarter two 2021, um, landlord possession claims for arrears has increased from 6,997 to 18,201. That's a rise of 160%. That's a huge amount. Property orders from 5,431 to 14,319, an increase of 164%. Warrants from 3,786 to 7,728, a rise of 104%. And landlord repossessions, last resort, as I say, you never want to repossess your property, you never want to evict a tenant. If everybody's doing everything right and everything's working well, that should never happen. It's very rare. But it has increased from 1,582 to 4,900, a rise of 210%. And be honest, Richard, 1,582 is now a lot of evictions considering the amount of press that people give it. In the whole of the UK, even even just under 5,000, isn't a lot in the whole of the UK in comparison to the number, thing, number yeah. of stock of the housing. I mean, you know, it's, it's quite a small number, isn't it? I mean, nobody wants to see that. 
No. But but the media would make us think different, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's very few and far between. We have to, I mean, like you say, it's last option. It's the, it's the, it's the end of the road type thing. And that figure, in comparison to the bigger picture, is very, very small. But yeah. it's over-dramatised, it's over-exposed on TV. And do you know what I mean? And people think it's a really common thing that happens quite a lot. And it's not, yeah. like you say, it's last resort. Well, I could maybe oh, count on two hands now over the last 30 years where we've had to evict people. And that's it. Um, you know, we've not really actually gone right to the full eviction, have we? Where, I mean, no. where it's gone to actual full eviction and in, for, in, in, for my stock in the last 30 years, I could count on one hand, definitely. Yeah, I've only done a few for you, Jim, all the way through. Yeah. And, uh, eviction, again, I, I must emphasize, eviction is a last resort. And, and I often, and you know, I, I tell you to, to send this to, to tenants anyway, and the fact that we need to help you as much as possible. You need to contact us as much as possible. We want to help you maintain your tenancy. That's why you need to have dialogue with us. You need to speak to us. We need to get you access to the right support and the right services so you can actually stay in your house and it can actually be paid for because it has to be. You have to finance it somehow. You can't just get it for nothing. Yeah. It has to be paid to the bank. It has to be paid to the contractors that do the work and everything like that as well. But it's a last resort. And it's only when I'm back. It's only when I'm backed into a corner and I have no other way to help the tenant. It would then just say, right, it just has to be eviction. There's no yeah, other I think choice. Some people think that maybe that's sometimes what we want to do, and it really is not what we want to do. And no. we would much rather work with somebody and and sort things out and and do you know what I mean? Keep them in place, not just for their own sake, but for ours as well. We didn't want to go through that whole process. It's yeah, it's it's time consuming and it's uh, it's a pain. I mean, it would much rather work together. Yeah, it's stressful for us because we don't want to see that happen to people, especially yeah. if they've got young families or, or or people with them or siblings or anything like that. Um, we don't want to see that happen. So it's quite stressful for us. It's stressful for the person inside the property, and it's also stressful for the landlord as well. So everybody involved goes through this process, and everybody understands the feelings involved. But the commercial reality is, we have to do something about it. You can't just sit back idly and just say that's fine. Don't pay your bills. Yeah, um, especially if you're not communicating with anyone. Um, definitely. I think that's the key there that you've hit, Jim, is not communicating because obviously we've had tenants and they get into a situation and these things happen. And like you say, we're there to help and try and get them through this and come to a resolution for the landlord and the tenant. But it's yeah. when you get tenants that don't communicate and bury their head in the sand, that's when you get into the situation where it ends up, unfortunately, having to escalate sometimes to the point of a notice being served because... Yeah. You're, you've not made any progress with them. They're not prepared to put in the work to rectify the situation and solve it for themselves and the landlord. Yeah. I mean, all this yeah. has happened really on the back of the Section 24 tax changes made a few years ago ahead of the expensive energy efficiency upgrades that the government is expected to legislate for in the next coming 12 months. Now, if anybody doesn't understand what Section 24 is, Section 24 only allows you as a sole trader landlord, in other words, it's in your name, if you've got a mortgage, they only allow you to deduct the mortgage interest rate at lower rate tax. In other words, instead of saying maybe your rent was £500 and your interest on your mortgage was £250, instead of saying we'll, give you, uh, we'll tax you on £250, what they do is we'll tax you on £500 first and then we'll just give you 20% of £250 off at the end. So if you're a higher rate payer, you're taxed the £500 at a higher rate of 40%, which is significantly yeah. more. And then they only give you 20% off it. 
So it works out that you could actually, in situations, and I go back to saying where I first, when this first was announced, I actually did the numbers on my portfolio, so which has since been restructured at a considerable cost, but it had to be done in order to make sure everything was, everybody was kept in their house and everybody was well maintained and all the rest of it. Um, it had to be done. It meant that I could actually make no money at all, make no profit at all, and that's fine. I'm okay with that because I have income from other sources. Um, if it has to be, I'll make no money at all, but I'll still face a tax bill of six thousand pound a year. How is how does that make sense? <laughs> uh, and it was brought before the Treasury Select Committee by Roger Mullen of the SNP because he was on the Treasury Select Committee at the time, and the Treasury Select Committee at the UK government said, uh, "Ah, could work itself out." Then anyway, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but you know what? To review it, said Roger Mullen, and they went. No, I don't think we need to review it in six months' time. We'll just see what happens and do it in the time. That's how responsible the UK government is on taxation. It just seems far from the course for things, but anyway. I mean, it doesn't sound good for landlords, does it? Until you look at the past headlines and look at the, the look at the in, 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 in actual detail. What is, you know, what is the past headlines like? You know, what, what are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, 79.93% of UK buy-to-let mortgages are interest only and we spoke about this before Jim obviously yeah uh, interest only in comparison compared to 12.29 percent of home buyers uh, so meaning the repayments are considerably lower than typical home buyer mortgages if you've got the interest only so therefore the rise in interest rates won't hit landlords um profitability as much as many initially thought so, okay so just to explain to anybody out there what the difference between interest only and uh, and, and uh, repayments is uh, repayments where a homeowner or a capital repayment, what they call it in a mortgage, means that every time, every month you pay the mortgage, you pay some of the interest on you pay the interest on the mortgage, but you also pay some of the capital amount, the amount outstanding, the balance outstanding on the mortgage. So it brings it down over time. Uh, an interest-only mortgage, just as it, as what it says, you just pay the interest every single month. So when you get to the end of the period after twenty-five years, you're still due the same outstanding balance that you did in the beginning. Now, there's two advantages sometimes. There's, there's a downfall to that and an advantage to that. I'll just give that two examples here quickly. Um, the great advantage of an interest-only mortgage is you, you can deduct that immediately against your against your, your revenue. In, in normal yeah. sense, you can. And then you know what tax you're due, and then also you know what cash flow you've got left as well. With the difficult with capital repayment, is yes, you can deduct the interest against your against your um, uh, rev against your income, against your rent. And you'll be taxed on that, but then also you'll have to actually pay some of the capital as well, and that's not deductible. So therefore, you could be in a situation of a, well, a capital repayment mortgage on, on a buy-to-let where you could actually run out of money that you need for, for improvements if anything needs done. Uh, so you see see how I talk about that. It's like every single time I don't talk about, oh, you've run out of money to buy yourself a new car or a Ferrari. I talk about you've run out of money to actually do any improvements for the tenant yeah. if anything happens. Because ultimately, yeah. that's the whole point. You are in business, actually, to provide a service to a tenant and give them the good accommodation at the good standard they're paid for and, and make sure you've got a duty of care towards them. Yeah. The secondary aspect of this, if you do it right and you get the numbers right, then you will be paid as a result of doing that with the return on investment that you make. If you don't understand that and you're not efficient at that, then you will not make money in buy to let. Therefore... Yeah you will put the tenant in jeopardy later on down the line because you've mismanaged their portfolio. 
That's why it's essential to get the numbers right and understand from people more successful in this business. We do it all the time on wealth creation shows as well. Yeah. If we give that information away for free, and there's on our YouTube channel as well in our wealth creation playlist, we've actually shown people how to do this properly so you can make enough money in order to reinvest in the property to make sure your your things like your kitchen, your bathrooms, your, your carpets, um, it, you know, your electrics, your gas central heating, your roof, your downpipes, and everything, you've got the money aside to do these improvements and repairs when you need to do them. That's why that's why you're in Vitalet. The money and then return is a byproduct of what you do well and the numbers and the way you get it right. Um, yeah. 93.21 of all new Vitalet mortgages agreed in the last two years have been on a fixed rate mortgage. Would you believe that? That's a lot. And 73% of all existing buy-to-let mortgages are actually on fixed rate as well. So the increase in the mortgage payments will only affect one in four landlords on variable rate mortgages. Now, I've got to admit here, I've only got a few fixed rate myself. Most are on trackers and a few are on uh, variable as well. Uh, but I've got a high tolerance threshold because I've made sure I planned that in and, and built that in. So if interest rates go up to... Quite a high rate, then I can still I can still feel that off and still maintain the portfolio. Um, that's prudent planning, by the way, yeah. for a buy to let landlord. But let us not forget though that less than one in three landlords have a buy to let mortgage, meaning that two out of every three landlords aren't even affected by interest rate rises. Yeah. yeah. So what's the average rent, Kevin, of a property in Fife right now? So the average rent of a Fife property now is. £757 per month. So okay. that's an impressive rise of 14.2% compared to a year ago. Now, we talk about 14.2% has been an impressive rise, but Richard, has that significantly moved up in the last 15, 20 years? Well, I was just going to say, Jim, I'm just about, and I've been doing this for 12, 13 years, and I've, no, it's not really changed in that whole scope of time, uh, lastly. Um, and then so last... Do you think, in your opinion then, that this quick this quick jump and increase is just just a, a realignment of what it should be in the yeah. first place? Yeah. That should have been, it should have been a progressive um, increase, like small incremental increases over that period of time, which has not been happening. And it's which obviously... Wouldn't have hit anybody, which wouldn't yeah. have hit anybody that much. And that's why, that's why they talk about having a small amount of inflation every single year is actually a good thing because then it keeps everyone on track. Because at some point in time, it'll hit the fan and then you'll get situations like this where everyone it'll, comes. It all bottlenecks and then yeah. everybody's like, oh God, prices have just skyrocketed. You look at it like that, 14.2%. Well, really, if you'd spread that out over the last X amount of years, um, it would have been fine. And nobody would have even, nobody would have even really realised, to be honest. Yeah. This is, this is quite an interesting thing, yeah. And yet, when we look at these possession orders from the last thing that we just spoke about, mentioned above, um, and, and what we've said just, just before, um, I mean, they the look high until you realise that there's actually 4.4 million properties in the private rental sector in the UK. This means that only 2% of UK rental properties had arrears bad enough for landlords or agents to take it another thing, to start possession proceedings to evict a tenant. 2%. 2% is a really small amount. And only 
four five percent of tenants were evicted through the courts in a calendar year. Uh, I'll say that again: point zero four five percent of tenants. That's less than one, by the way. Point zero four five percent of tenants were actually evicted through the courts in one year in the whole of the UK. Which means what you see in the television is bullshit. It's not a true reflection of what goes on in the ground every day and we can week out. It's not. We were talking about this just the other day, myself and Richard, and it was we were saying that we've never actually had to, we've been quite lucky, we've never actually had to get to a point of having to go for an order of possession for a property because it's never escalated to that point, thankfully. And that's obviously what you want to avoid. So um it is yeah, in the years that we've been doing it, it's never escalated to that point thankfully we've been at the point where we've put the order of possession in place <laughs> but never had to follow through at all yeah what about arrears and recent studies richard what's the what's your thoughts on that you know do you want you've got some stats on that yeah i mean landlords who didn't use an agent uh, to manage their property were 272.2 percent more likely to be two months or more in rent arrears uh, in 2021 um, so, I mean, well, it, it, pays should, pay, it should really point out to you that it pays to use a yeah. yeah, and I know, and I know that, I know that sounds almost like we've we're playing it into our own hands because we're letting agents as well. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but genuinely, that's why I'm using a letting agent, and there's a lot of good things to that. And you know why? Um, recently, um, I actually came across something on uh, one of the one of the landlord groups online, one of the property investors, Scottish Property Investing Network. Um, so I came across that. Somebody actually said on there and went, um, you know, I'm getting a huge amount of people actually inquiring for properties. How do I reference them and all the rest of it? Because, uh, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are like, like they're just like, like, they're like no way. Mm -hmm. And then it transpired that they were on Gumtree. Which tells you everything. Yeah. <laughs> need I, I don't need to say anything about right. <laughs> You know, it's like that. That's why there was a stunned silence because it's like people are still using Gumtree to, to to actually advertise their properties. The reality is, you're going to get everyone the dog if you use a letting agent. The one big plus of that is the people that would otherwise not look after your property and the people that would otherwise probably not pay your rent or not be able to afford to pay your rent will be the ones that will not approach letting agents because they know fine straight away they'll get referenced out or they'll get yeah. found out through the process. And that's why they don't approach letting agents. So there's a there's a big, big indicator about why you use letting agents. Yeah. Because I'll go and say that again. Landlords who didn't use a letting agent to manage the property were 272.5% more likely to be two months or more in rent arrears. Now, let's just equate that to the average price, £757 per month. That's £1,514 per month. £1,514 in arrears, the landlords that were less likely to use a letting agent. How much does it cost to use a letting agent? Probably less than £2 a day, which is equivalent to round about six to £700 a year. And you've just gone and done it yourself and you're more likely to be two months in arrears, which a letting agent isn't, so you've lost £1,500. That's twice, more than twice what it was to actually use the letting agent and no do it yourself. Hello, McFly. Are you, is anybody in there? Literally, isn't it? Nobody understands that, the dynamics of that, and the fact that why you would use a letting agent and how much you would save as a result of doing that. Plus the fact you're not doing it yourself. 
Your time is available to concentrate on the things that you want to do. Classic example right now, Richard, you manage all my properties and I'm in the process of possibly buying another one today. Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Always room for another property though, Jim. Absolutely. <laughs> Need more properties on the market, he's so buy away. that much, but he's frozen. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remove him just now until he sorts his cell out. <laughs> anyway, let's go on. The next potential uh, cost of upgrading rental properties is energy efficiency, isn't it, Karen? I mean, yes. what are the proposed changes? So we've seen over the few years, there has been things that have been proposed previously, but they have been put on hold. However, there is now new steps, new legislation coming into place. So the yeah. proposed changes in the energy efficiency, so in the private rented property sector in Scotland, yeah. Regulations require a minimum energy efficiency rating. So this is measured by a property's energy performance certificate, which is the EPC. Yeah. So just now it's going to have to be a C rating that will be implemented. So new tenancies from 2025 will have to have a banding of a C on the energy performance certificate. And existing tenancies, this will have to be in place by 2028. So that will cost on average around about 10,000 plus per property. Wow. And when you think about it, you're absolutely right. Because there's, you know, the one that I'm buying the now, potentially, I probably will be buying it, um, is down at D. So the first thing I'm going to do is put a new heating system in and it'll bring it up to C straight away. So I'll be lucky in that point of view. Um, and the most, uh, the the, the um, insulation's been done already. And, and then I'm going to have to upgrade the electrics as well, which will cost a few bob. Then I'm going to have to decorate, I'm going to have to carpet, I'm going to have to improve everything all the way around. Um, so there's a lot of things to do to this property to actually make it. As, as far as I'm concerned, and this is this is bizarre because this is actually a landlord that rents this one already. And I actually don't think that's tolerable standard as far as I'm concerned. Hence the reason why I'm going to probably have to spend the best part of £8,000 to up, actually upgrade it to the standard that I want to upgrade it to um, for I someone. Think Energy efficiency is something that people are a lot more aware of now as well. I think in the past, it's not something tenants particularly pay too much attention to. It was more their rent and what the actual property was like. But people are taking into account a lot more the energy efficiency of properties. So if you've got a property, we've had the odd one that maybe still has single glazing, if it's like a listed building, people don't want that anymore. They know how cold it's going to be if you don't have yeah. an efficient heating system in it. Um, obviously you can do small changes such as like energy efficient light bulbs but it's going to be the main things like do you have adequate loft installation your heating system is it in a good working condition is it an efficient boiler so it is mm -hmm. something that tenants pay a lot more attention to now yeah absolutely yeah it can't be forgotten when the rules changed in 2018 properties had to have a, an epc rating of a, a minimum of an e in england and wales to be legally compliant uh, and if a landlord of an F or a G rated rental property could prove that it would cost more than £3,500 to make those improvements to the EPC ratings, um, then that was the most the landlord had to pay. No doubt something similar will take place in the future proposed legislation. Uh, now, we know that's going to happen already in Scotland, where it does become prohibitive. For example, in other words, if you're sitting at D, and if you got a ground source heat air source heat pump or whatever it was at the cost of twenty five thousand pound to get it onto a C band, um, they would probably mention that as prohibitive, and they would say you probably wouldn't really need to do that as a result of what you're doing. Um, I kind of think that's where we are right now. 
Um, then, then there's the, pro the, the problem, profitability of renting. Uh, rental years are the primary guide to profitability and buy to let. So, you know, what about five uh, um, rental yields and rental growth? Is it beginning to grow? Is it beginning to out, 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 strip uh, five house price growth, Richard? Yeah, I mean, um, it is starting it just slightly. I mean, the, the average yields achieved in five um, today, I mean, your one bedroom is definitely around about 7.6% yield. Yeah. Two bedrooms are around about 6.5, and three beds are around about 4.8% uh, yield. Um, yeah, buy to let investing it isn't just all about the yield, but it's a good indicator to see where you yeah. are in terms of return. Um, as Kern was saying earlier, obviously, demand from tenants plays a massive part in the success or failure of your buy to let investment. Um, so there are other yardsticks, or as we say, Jim, obviously, there's indicators that you could look at such as void periods, your occupancy rate. Um, these should all be considered as factors into how successful a potential buy-to-let investment is going to be. Um, and there is no point in securing higher yielding rental properties if the buy-to-let investment remains empty. I've heard that. I've heard it. Yeah, I could make a maximum of 16 or 18% on this. It's like, aye, but only if it's filled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so occupancy rate really uh, as a bank. Because if it's 50% occupancy rate, then you're only really making a 9% return or whatever it is. Yeah. So so it's 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 all down. And that's where that's where Karen, your expertise and Richard, your expertise comes in as well, is the fact that you know the properties and the areas that where the most likely places that are be filled and in, in the void. Uh, there's no voids and occupancy rates high all the time. In other words, the amount of time somebody stays in a property um, will be a lot more than in one area than another area. Now, it's easy to say at this point in time uh, that demand will be quite high regardless of where you are. I mean, I'll be honest, you could probably have a dog kennel and probably somebody will take it for the next three years. Um, but the reality is when it starts to go down in terms of the in terms of the number of properties available um, or the number of tenants available to rent and the number of properties actually increases for supply, then that's when your property then then falls by the wayside because nobody wants to rent it because they've now got a bigger choice. Simple, yeah, but simple economics like the housing market right now, the, the oversupply coming into the housing market for the properties to sell is actually slowing down the time to sell and the offers overprice for existing properties on the market and the properties coming to market for sale, haven't they? Yeah, and, and likewise with the rental market, when there's this oversaturation of properties available, like you say, Jim, there's more choice. People will move around a lot more. Uh, tenancy terms will tend to be a wee bit shorter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you won't have such long-term tenancies. I mean, we worked. I worked out ours earlier in the year. I think we were averaging about twenty-eight months. Uh, yeah. But we have some tenancies that run a lot longer than that as well. Um, yeah. But on average, I think about twenty-eight months, which you're talking, you're talking about two, three years. I think I'd somebody with me for about twenty years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's a long time, eh? I know, but, but then, that, that, that's an average figure, obviously. Yeah, and that's an exception to the rule sometimes, but that then just shows you the amount of uh, service, probably the accommodation and the and what we were doing for that person that they decided that, you know, they, they don't see any reason why they need to move. Mm -hmm. Um what research what research have you been doing in Fife overall about void periods and that? So what is the research? Yeah, research, my research found that Fife overall's void period average so far is around about 41.4% lower than 18 months ago. Yeah. Um, so reducing from 29 days in April 2021 uh, to 17 days in September 2022, the void period being the time it takes from the date 
of the old tenant moving out um, to the new one moving in. That's what, yeah, that's what you're trying to avoid periods. Okay. All right. And, and, yeah, and finally, um, buy to let investment is also an excellent hedge against uh, inflation compared to other investments. Now, Jim, we cover a lot of different uh, potential income streams and ways to obviously yeah. um, build up your income, but buy to let investment is quite a good one to hedge against obviously things like invest, uh, inflation and things at the moment. And if you could, uh, if you would like more information on that, then please drop us a line. Um, uh, jump in the post here if you want. Jump in on, on a Monday show, Jim, on the Wealth Creation. Uh, Jim and I do that. Feel free to jump in, ask questions, or message us direct. Uh, we're always here to obviously answer questions about that. Yeah, I'm going to uh, uh, appreciate and explain to people what this is all about in terms of yeah. talking about voids and how important that is. Mm -hmm. um, just so just so we can actually see what it is in real terms. Uh, hopefully we will see that. So here we are here, uh, average buy to let, probably £80,000. Um, uh, mortgage, 4% uh, starting duty down, 25% deposit. Uh, we would say 4.69 now for your interest rate. Um, you're probably about 1.5. Um, well, actually, they're doing 3% loan now um, um, for the arrangement fee on deals. So an £80,000 property, Richard, what would that rent for? 550 maybe six. He's frozen, so we'll go for five fifty. Yeah, yeah five fifty. Okay. <laughs> Depending on what it is. And um, so five fifty that comes in at, and then you can see there where all the numbers come out. Uh, I'm just, it's obviously just jumping. Um, so twelve months occupancy on here, as you can see, um, will bring you down, and you'll have three hundred eight pound cash every single month after the mortgage is paid to actually clear any overheads. Now that's a managing agent, that's insurance, that's repairs, improvements, and all the rest of it. So that's where you are with that. Now, um, uh, that leaves you 1721 uh, as the number, as the net profit per annum, which is 6.8% net return on the deposit it's in, uh, which is down the 25 down the bottom. So your money in, you're getting 6.8% on that once you've finished the exercise. Now, that's setting at 100% occupancy. So if we say, uh, for example, that only a it was taking 11 months, which is roughly what we were saying uh, last year, 29 days. That means it's only taking about 11 months to rent. See how that's dropped significantly from 6.8 to 5.3. Mm -hmm. And and your profit obviously drops as well, because if you put it back up, you're, you're basically losing, you're losing about 400 pounds. Now it's 400 pounds, uh, basically, you know, the, uh, again, it could go and invest in the property over a longer period of time. 10 years at 400 pounds is 4,000 pounds. There's a new kitchen, new bathroom, uh, a new kitchen or a new bathroom or a new heating system. So that's the kind of thing we're thinking about, about occupancy. That's why it's smart business to, to focus on the key indicators as, a, as an investor and a landlord. And actually, it's not about increasing the rent. Let me say that again, and I'll take this off. It's not about increasing the rent. That's never what we've been in a landlord and investors all about. It's never been about increasing the rent. It's about the numbers that you see right here. It's these numbers that are most important that you can control. It's your occupancy rate, how much you look after the tenant to keep that high so the tenant's in there all the time. It's, it's then you being able to negotiate a better deal on your mortgage, which will influence that as well because you'll get a better mortgage rate. It's then you influence as well repairs and improvements. And what we talk about is preventative maintenance visits um, rather than actually, uh, rather than cure. Prevention is always better than cure. 
So cure costs you a lot of money. Prevention is like bits and pieces here and there, and that keeps your overheads down as well. So your net profit is determined by the service you provide for your tenant. Also, the interest rate deal you get with your bank, and then also the overheads that you keep under control and the investment you put in the property for preventative maintenance. And I'll say it again, it is not about increasing the rent every month or every year. It's about looking after the tenant and focusing on the key indicators. That's what we can influence as landlords and investors, and that's where we make our return. I keep saying that, and everybody keeps saying, you just, it's just, you just keep increasing the rent, increasing the rent, and that's never been the story. I'll say it again, I'll have to reiterate it, it's very rare a landlord increases the rent when a tenant is in situ in the property. If they're going to make a rent increase, it's usually when the property changes over for another tenant potentially moving in. But at that time, it's open market value and the tenant has a choice to choose another property of the one. That's the reality. So it's very, very rare for a landlord or investor to increase the rent when a tenant's in situ, unless it's greed. Again, I can count on less than one hand the time in the 30 years I've increased rent with a tenant in situ, and it's only because we've spent a considerable amount of money upgrading the property to reflect that. So in the beginning, they actually agreed to a lower rent because we didn't have the property, you know, at the double glazing, new kitchen, new bathroom, new heating system. And then when they decided that they wanted that, I then went, yep, great stuff. I'm happy to do that. If you're happy to agree a different rent level, I'm happy to reinvest that money in that property. So at their request, that was done, not my request. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how most landlords operate. Yeah, I mean that's how that, I mean that's probably the only times we've really uh, implemented uh, rent increases during a tenancy is when we're doing, like you say, new kitchens, new heating, new whatever. Um, although times like these, when obviously interest rates are starting to have an effect on landlords, it's probably when they might consider to put in an increase in rent in mid tenancy. But we can't do that at the moment, so they've not got yeah. that option. I mean, the conclusion out of this: the days of buying an old buy-to-let property in Fife at any price and making loads of money from it and as easily as falling off a log are gone. They're away. You have to be extremely savvy and extremely numbers oriented and understand these KPIs that I just talked about the now in order to make a decent return in the buy to let business. Again, it's not about increasing your tenant's rent. It never has been in the 30 years I've been in this. The next few years will be challenging for everyone. Still, with advice and the opinion of a decent five letting agent to guide you and support you on your buy to let journey, buy to let will continue to be a profitable investment. You need to review your rental portfolio regularly and see how your portfolio measures up against yield versus capital growth. It's a seesaw. Uh, review your mortgage financing and the EP status of your portfolio as well. But lending's going to be based on EPC ratings as well in the future. There's a few lenders out there saying that if it's no minimum of C, we're actually going to charge a wee bit higher because it's a higher risk to us because there might be a possibility you might not be able to continue to rent that property. Um, so that's another thing that lenders are actually um, penalising. similar how uh, lenders look at the home report now when you're purchasing a property. Yeah. Lenders will be the same. They'll look at the APC for the, for the rental property and things as well. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap up here, Richard. Um, what's your final thoughts on this? I think um, the main thing is that buy to let and things um, and investment is still a really profitable option as long as it's done correctly you can speak to the right people um, i know like you say jim it sounds like we're plugging ourselves as uh, letting agents but speak to your local letting agent make sure they are 
knowledgeable and know what they're talking about in terms of legislation, the market, um, what's good investments, and they know how to advise you um, on these things. And if they don't, they know the right person to pass you along to speak to. Um, if you do all that right, and there is a logical and methodical process in it, get it right and it can be very profitable. Kim, what's your thoughts on the final? I think just like Richard says, make sure that you're speaking to the right people, do your research, and like I said, we say it can still be a profitable market. Um, to me, one of the things that I was first taught when we were going through our let bill training is for a landlord is to have a bit of a safety net. You do not just want to be going month to month, relying on the rent coming in to be paying the mortgage on the property. Yeah. You have to have a backup fund as well, whether that's for maintenance, property upgrades, void periods, do not have yourself going on a month to month basis. Absolutely. Yeah. I think finally for me, the telltale thing is what we've just looked at the now is the landlords who didn't use a letting agent to manage their property were 272% more likely to be two or more months in, in rent arrears. And that rent arrears for the average rent is over £1,500. And literally, it'll cost you around about six to £700 to get a letting agent to manage your whole property for you every single year. So you're losing two years managing for free effectively because yeah. you're not using a letting agent and you're having all the hassle yourself of having to do it. I think that, for me, is the telltale sign out of this thing, out of this show. It is not about property. It's not about loads of money. It's not about profit and all the rest of it. it yes, you have to make a profit to reinvest in the property and make a decent income, but the focus should always be on your KPIs, which is your occupancy rate, which is driven by the service that you'll give to the tenant and they'll stay longer as a result. And um, also, which is your um, overheads, which again is driven by your service to the tenant and making sure you've got proper preventative maintenance schedules in place so they don't actually have to suffer. Um, for your lack of, of um, I think, maintenance and lack of doing anything and, and, and property uh, maintenance visits. Um, that's that's the most important thing for me. So if you focus on these KPIs, yes, you can make a decent return. If you focus on them even more and actually give that perfect service, then you will make a maximum return out of it and still yeah. charging the same rent as everybody else charges, if not a wee bit less. Exactly what we do all the time, every single day, day in, day out. Thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. I think it was very informative for me as well, perfectly as well, because once we looked at all these figures and the penny started to drop, I thought it makes absolute sense because I went from a, I'll never use a letting agent to think, you know, it makes absolute sense now. <laughs> it's, I've done it both ways, by the way, and it's yeah. no great being uh, doing it all yourself because it is, it, is, it is literally, I always say, uh, if you're a landlord, you're almost at a point where you, it's almost like becoming a social worker um, because you you get embroiled in people's lives. Um, you know, some people take a step back, but unfortunately for me, I, I just like to help people all the time. <laughs> it's like I feel a compulsion and I, 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 almost, like a, almost like a calling to actually help people through their process, through their hard times and their hardships and all the rest of it. Uh, and that's why being a landlord for me ended up being like that, but, but it, very, very rewarding. For a lot yeah. of people but for some people they just can't take that all the time uh so thanks very much for coming on the show really appreciate it and until next time guys bye-bye from us thanks jim bye